Amen. Love the song, and it just works perfectly with the message tonight. I'm excited about that. I might have them sing that again later. It's such a great song, and I love how the Lord works things out. He just, man, he just puts pieces together, and I get more excited when I see him doing that. It just gives me more confidence in what he's spoken to me about. I'm excited to be in church tonight. Sunday night has always been my favorite service of the week, and uh, it's just, there's an excitement about it. It's been a long day. They're busy days. They're filled with ministry and service and a lot of people giving of their time, but then people gather together on Sunday night. There's something about the Spirit in the church that evening, and I am excited to be here with you tonight and to preach God's Word. Blake, how you doing, buddy? Okay. I'm just checking. Are you ready for the service tonight? Your Aunt Tiffany told on you. I was having a conversation with her earlier. He asked this morning, who's preaching today? I think Tiffany might have been the one talking to him. She said, uh, Brother Kavanaugh. And Blake's response was, <laughs> should I tell him, Blake? Should I tell them? No? Do you want it to be a secret? Oh, he says, okay. He says, oh no, he's the long one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's something in the Bible about out of the mouths of the babes. I don't know if he's a prophet or not, but (laughs) it certainly happened this morning. And uh, that's all right, Blake. I won't hold it against you, okay? (laughs) I'm not promising to be short tonight either, so I got to hold up to your expectations. That's all I'm doing. I'm just fulfilling your expectations, buddy. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 tonight, if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and uh, I want to look at a, a portion of scripture here, very familiar to us. We're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and um, it is well known, well told, uh, one of the first stories we learn as young people, and I just want to learn, uh, pull some truths out of this tonight, hopefully encourage us to head through this week, and uh, to rely upon the Lord more. I'm going to read a a portion of scripture here, starting in verse number 4, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 4. The children of Israel gathered around the valley there, and uh, obviously we know that the Philistines are encamped, and they're uh, kind of down there taunting uh, the children of Israel. In verse number 4 it begins, And there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits span, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him, and he stood and, and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye the servants... Uh, to Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I want you to notice the attitude of the people there in verse number 11. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. 
You know, if we're not careful, we can look at uh, the world in which we live and become dismayed. I heard Brother Paulie say this week down at that God Bless America, he turned on the news one morning and, and he said, I ought not have done that. And it doesn't take long for us to turn on the news or to read a news article or to look at the world around us and what's going on and, and really become discouraged. It is a wicked world in which we live and there doesn't seem to be much good to be excited about when you look at it from their perspective. And the children of Israel were not a very spiritual people at this point. That's why the Philistines were attacking them in the first place. God was using the Philistines to punish his people because they were not following God the way that they should have been. And so here they are in a battle, set in a battle against the Philistines, and they send out their giant Goliath, and Goliath just seems impossible to kill. The task seems insurmountable. There's nothing we can do. We have no one that can fight our battle for us. This guy's spear is like a weaver's beam. He's 10 foot tall. He's carrying more weight on his shoulders than, <laughs> than a, a couple men. Several hundred pounds of armor he was carrying. The head of his spear weighed over 10 pounds. Just the head of his spear. Over 10 pounds. There's no way. And they were dismayed. You ever get there in your Christian life? You ever look at a mountain and it seems as though you're dismayed? Uh, what am I, obviously there's that optimism. There's, uh, well, God's on our side. And, and I think in the back of their minds, they were probably thinking the same thing. Oh, we're, you know, we're the servants of Saul and God's on our side. But yet, <laughs> they didn't have enough courage to come down off the mountain. And sometimes we can be that way in our Christian lives. We, we can have uh, an expectation of God, but they're not very big expectations. And we can get an attitude of despair or dismay. Man, this just isn't working out. Things aren't going my way. Man, there's just a lot of tough things going on right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle this. So we see there the attitude of the people in verse number 11. I want you to jump down a few verses with me to verse number 32. David shows up to... Well, first of all, just bring food to his brothers. We know the story, and he came, and, and his brothers were making fun of him. What are you doing here? You know, the run of the family. Don't you have sheep you're supposed to be tending to? And he went into Saul. We know that David already had a relationship with Saul up to this point. He had played the harp for him before, and I don't know for what reason here. Saul doesn't really know David at this it's always been a little confusing to me because he had been playing the harp for David for years, or uh, David had been playing the harp for Saul for years to comfort him. And now comes this story, and Saul doesn't pretend like he knows David at all. But David walks into Saul in verse number 32 and said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He's but a youth, just a young man. By many people's measures, you wouldn't say that he's accomplished really much at all for the cause of Christ or the cause of mankind. Go back and tend your sheep. Isn't that your job? Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? Go back and tend your sheep. You're not important. Just go back and do your menial tasks. But David walks in with the attitude of strength. Let no man's heart fail because of him. 
And he looks at Goliath and he sees the, the unsurmountable, he sees the impossible, he sees the difficult, and he sees the people who are surrounding uh, th- this scenario here, and they're dismayed. These great men of war, these, these warriors, even his older brothers who are experienced men of war, even King Saul, a great man of war, he stood ahead, of, he was head and shoulders above all the other men we know. But they're all dismayed. And here comes this youth. I bet a lot of people looked at him as though he was pretty arrogant. What do you think? What, are you kidding me? What, what gives you any right to come in here, walk in here, and disrespect us like this? We are soldiers. We're in the battle. But he walks in with an attitude of strength. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Pointing out the Goliath, possibly. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Man, that's a convicting attitude. And it's so easy to be discouraged. And often we do, often it is the youth, and we chalk it off to youth or inexperience, like, oh, they just don't understand. They don't understand how difficult it is. They don't understand what the, what the odds really are and how they're against them. Uh, but there's something about youth and vigor and excitement that, you know, I, we can do this. And David walked in, not because of his youth, though. It wasn't his youth that said, hey, we can... It wasn't immaturity that was just allowing him to charge in this this thing full steam. He wasn't walking in just saying, oh, yeah, let's go, let's go, we can handle this. These teenage boys all the time, they're always joking about how they can take me and stuff like that, you know. And, and, And I always keep them in their place, you know. I beat them up every once... No, I don't. I should, but I don't. And, uh, no, but they, they... you look at it and you say, you know, it's just it's impossible. He just, they don't understand the odds. Just, that's not going to happen. David just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand the odds. He doesn't understand how difficult this is. He's just foolhearted, just a youth. But David's, David's uh, vigor, David's excitement, David's expectation for something great to accomplish was not in himself. Jump down a couple more verses to verse number 37. We see where David's expectation was. Why he felt like something could be done here. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. <laughs> I, I kind of get the feeling there that it's like, okay, whatever. If you want to try this, it's like lambs to the slaughter. Go ahead, you know, what is just a boy. I've lost a lot of soldiers, you know, he gives it a whirl. We had nothing to lose here. I kind of get that feeling. There's nothing to lose here. But David went out with high expectations. High expectations for what the Lord would do for him. How the Lord would perform for him. And not because he was young, not because he was rambunctious, not because he was agile or had strength. It was none of those things. His expectations were great because what God had done for him. Because God had delivered him out of the, the paw of the lion and out of the, 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 out of the grasp of the bear. And so he had great expectations of what God would do for him. God can and he will. And he had great expectations of that. And I want to speak this evening on that topic. Great expectations. Great expectations. Father, Lord, we do ask that you'd be a part of this service tonight. 
Lord, I actually don't want you just to be part of it. I want you to be the whole thing. Lord, I want you to take control. I've studied and i prepared, and I know a lot of times I can get in my own way with my preparation. Lord, may you guide my mind and my lips. May you speak through me, and may we as the church be rebuked. May we be exhorted, and may we be encouraged, as is the role of preaching in our lives. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to have greater expectations of you. To understand that you are a God that can and you are a God that will if we will have faith. Lord, you are a great God and you've done things that we can't even understand in simply saving us. Lord, may that boil over in our lives to expecting great things in all areas of our lives. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege we have to gather here tonight. May you put a hedge of protection around about this place. May your spirit have free reign and have... uh, It's will in our hearts and in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Great expectations of God. This is always convicting to me when I look at David and see what he was expecting of God. Yes, a young man. Yes, maybe inexperienced in a lot of ways. But he had great expectations of what God would perform in his life. A whole army of men who had been through battles and had conquered many cities and had taken much land were sitting by dismayed. But David walks in with great expectations. That's an amazing thing. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that an expectation in and of itself has no power at all. An expectation in our lives, the expectations of our lives are only as strong as the person or object we are placing our expectation on. This, I mentioned this morning, and I'll, I'll repeat myself, the, the humanistic philosophy of today is <laughs> that you can make things better if you want to and just determine to do it yourself. And if you dig deep within yourself, you can make the world into whatever you want it to be. But that's a totally anti-God and anti-Bible philosophy. Because we and of ourselves are nothing. And even our righteousness, even the good things that we do for the cause of Christ, even those are as filthy rags. All the great things that we try to accomplish, simply filthy rags. If we do them outside of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So our expectations, they, I want to be very clear tonight because I'm going to use that word over and over again. They only have power when placed in a person or object that has the ability to perform on our behalf, to meet that expectation. And I don't care what the world tells you. I don't ter- care, you know, oh, little Johnny, I know you can't pass first, second, third grade, but if you want to be a rocket scientist, you'll get, hey, you know, I don't care how much you clap for little Johnny. If he can't draw a stick figure, he's probably not going to be a rocket scientist rocket scientist, all right? It's, it's probably not going to happen. Now, I'm not down on Johnny. I don't know why Johnny always gets the rap, too. Johnny's always the bad brunt, uh, blunt of, uh, you know, brunt of the, all the bad illustrations in service, but um, I don't know what Johnny ever did, but I should say Blake, you know, Blake, no. <laughs> Dad, go back to sleep, Blake. It's okay, all right? No, we, we, have, a, we have a philosophy in the world today and uh, where they say, you just be whatever you want to be. If you can dream it, then you can be it. You can change your destiny. Just whatever you dream for yourself, you can do anything. Well, that's not entirely true. Dream you're a bird, jump off an airplane, uh, jump off a bridge, I dare you. See how that works out for you. 
You know, go ahead, flap your arms as fast as you can. Well, I believe I can. I believe I can. Splat. It's as far as your belief is going to get you. To expect is to plan on somebody doing something. Either one, because they said they would do it, or two, because they have the power to do what they said. An expectation, or to expect, is to plan on somebody doing something because A, they said they would do it, or B, they have the power to do what they said. Our expectation ought not to be of ourselves. It ought to be of God. And that's the thing about David. He walked into this scenario where it seemed impossible, but his expectations were in the right place. His expectations were not of himself. They were of God. What God could perform in his life. And I want to tell you, church, this evening, because of God's boundless power and because of God's proven faithfulness, we should have unlimited expectations of what God can do for us. I want to repeat that. Because of God's boundless love and his boundless power and his proven faithfulness, we should have unlimited expectations of what God will do if we will step out in faith and obey him. God can. It's such a perfect song. God can. And he will. But he's not going to do it if we don't expect it of him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We must have expectations. Man, our, our God is omnipotent. Do you ever study those defining words of God? You know what omnipotent means? It means to have unlimited power or strength. Not controlled. Everywhere at all times. And in control of everything all at once. That's who God is. He's omnipotent. I want to read a few passages of scripture and just listen to these if you would. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 27. The Lord said to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Daniel chapter 4 verse 35. Daniel says, God does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. And no one can hold back his hand. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Luke chapter 18, verse 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And finally, in the end, Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Closing us out here. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters. And as the voice of a mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Man, that's who our God is. The Lord God omnipotent. He reigneth. He's the one who's in control. He's in control of our circumstances. He's in control of our trials. He's in control of our tribulations. He's in in control of every single thing in our life. I just wonder about our expectation of him. I just wonder what we're expecting him to do with all this power. I think we've got very little expectation about what God can do through us. We've got very little expectation about how important he is in our lives. 
David walked into this scenario knowing what God could do because he'd seen his hand working before. And he walked in saying, now God's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. I've seen him do it. He's going to do it again. And David could only be confident in that because he was right with God. But I think too often we are so far away from God that it's impossible, impossible for us to have the right expectations of God. We're thinking to ourselves, man, I'll be lucky to get through another week. Things are so difficult. Things are so trying. I sure, you know, we're, we're not even walking out of church with the, the expectation of, man, I'm excited for this week. I hope I get to lead somebody to the Lord. I hope I can get them in church next week. I hope they'll get baptized. I hope they'll take their first step of obedience. Man, God's going to do something great this week. I'm expecting it. It's going to be awesome. He's going to work in my life. He's going to reveal himself to me in ways I've, I've not seen before. He's going to direct me. He's going to provide for things that I think are unprovidable for. He's going to do everything. We don't walk that way. We walk, man, I just, I hope that I get through this day. Kind of like the Eeyore. Woe is me. I lost my tail. Can you help me find it? My life is so miserable. Christian Christianity, there's so much pressure. There's so much expectation on me. I mean, we can have that attitude. We can walk through and, and okay, I, I'm being a little facetious. But, what is your expectation of God? If these scriptures that I just read are true, and they are, what have you expected of God recently? I want to point three simple things out tonight about expectations and having great expectations. Not just mediocre expectations, not big expectations. I'm talking about great expectations. Not the kind that just gets you through life, but the kind that lets you float on cloud nine just looking at what God has done. What are the great expectations you have of God? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 46. David walks out to meet Goliath. And he has a, a dialogue with Goliath. He has a little conversation Verse number 46, the Bible says, This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistine this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know the Lord, saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. Man, what, an, what, a, what a gutsy statement for a little boy with a sling and a staff to walk out against a man of war. I want you to notice first thing, that expectations, great expectations, expecting great things of God, honors God. It's not disrespectful for you to walk around like David. It's not arrogant. It's not pompous. It is none of those things. When you walk out with your expectations in the right place and you're looking for God to do something great in your life, I want to tell you right now that it brings honor to the name of God. Did you see what he said there? This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. The Lord 
I will not deliver you into my hand. I will not deliver you uh, into the hand of the Israelites. The Lord, the Lord, he will do this. David's expectations were great and they were of God. And I have no doubt that it honored God. Why? Because he lifted up the name of God. The Lord will deliver thee into mine hand. And I will take thine head from thee. And I will give thee the carcass, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth. Why? Why am I going to do this? Why do I have this expectation that I can conquer Goliath? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Man, that sounds like glorifying God to me. That sounds like honoring God to me. Hey, it wasn't, it wasn't a pride thing for David. He had great expectations of God, and I believe that it honored the name of God because he walked out there saying, my God can do this. There is nothing too hard for my, for my God. Alleluia! The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. It's an amazing thing to walk in the Christian life expecting great things of God. Not only for yourself and what the Lord will allow you to see, but because it honors the Lord. It lifts up His name. See, that's, as we go back to that Eeyore mentality I was talking about earlier, all that does is say how, how uh, puny your God is. When you walk around with discouraged attitude and an attitude of dismay, as the children of Israel had, all that said is, My, our God's nothing. Can't even take care of one man. Dismay. Man, we need great expectations of God. And it will honor God. So I don't want you to have uh, any connotation tonight. Oh, you know, that just sounds real. What he's asking us to do, these great expectations, that just sounds like it's all about me. No, I want you to to know that it's all about honoring God. And he loves it. He wants it. He wants us to depend on him. And he wants to be honored. He's a jealous God, is he not? Yes, he is. He wants his name to be lifted up and praised and magnified by his people. And that happens when we expect great things from our God. Secondly, this evening, I want you to notice in verse number 48. And it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. There was nothing supernatural about what David did. Yet it was perceived by all the people around him to be impossible. David went down to meet this man, charged towards him. Man, he wasn't holding anything back. While he was running, he's gathering the rocks out of his pouch. He's getting his sling ready. He's putting it in. And while he's running, he's swinging that thing. He gets close And in one movement, launches that rock off towards Goliath. But this was the impossible, don't you remember? You are but a youth. His brothers who had mocked him and the army that was behind him was standing there thinking, oh great, here we go, we're going to watch this little boy get slaughtered. 
Yet David ran out with great expectations of what God would do. Can you imagine this? Do you picture these stories in your head like I do while you're reading them? This little kid running across a field towards Goliath. I've been in that valley. I've seen the hills on each side. It's so easy for me to picture the armies of the God on one side, the armies of the Philistine on the other, Goliath standing right there in the middle, and here comes little David. I have Mr. Weiser stand up here, and maybe Isaac. You can picture these two. There's just no way. Hey, why don't you come up here real quick? Isaac, come here. Come on, Mr. Weiser. Let's come on down and have a little... Come on, Isaac. Isaac's tall, I know, but he's but a youth. And, and Mr. Weiser, and you say, oh man, look at that. You know, they're... they're, they're uh, I know I make Mr. Weiser look small and everything, but uh, I had to get between them for the sake of the illustration. Um, no, I mean, we got Goliath here. Isaac, go over on the other side. We got Goliath standing here. All the army, they're over here. There's no way. There's no way. David, okay, whatever, if you want to try. Go ahead and go towards him like you're going to attack him. It doesn't matter if he runs or not. It still looks like he's going to lose. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's the truth of the matter. They're standing up there like all of us are sitting here in the amphitheater watching this take place. And we watch this puny little rascal come running across the place. I mean, I'm talking about David, not Isaac. And, um, and so he comes running across the, the, the floor here and he's charging towards Goliath. And this is impossible. This is impossible. There is no way. There's no way that this can happen. Our lives, sometimes we feel like Isaac. We're running through life and, man, there's an obstacle in front of us and we might even be running towards it. We're like, there's no way. (laughs) There's no, okay, I'm charging because this is the right thing, but there's no way. There's no way. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. The truth of the matter is here that when we have great expectations of God, it increases our ability. Now, I want you to to hear me out here. I'm not saying that we become something different when we have great expectations of God. But when our expectations are of God and we understand how magnificent He is, we have a tendency to try for bigger things. We have a tendency to attempt things that would be outside of our realm of comfortable. And isn't that where we live for the most part? Where we're comfortable? We'll fight the battles we're comfortable fighting. We'll we'll challenge the difficulties that we think we can overcome. But God's not interested in us looking at mountains that we think we can conquer ourselves. He wants us to be as the Old Testament saints saying, hey, that mountain... The mountain that we, no one thinks we can get over. I want that. Give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. The mountain that seems impossible. The mountain that seems you can't conquer. Moses in and of himself was not capable of leading the children of Israel, a million plus people out of the land of Egypt. But when he started placing his expectation in God, he became able. Able was not capable of producing in and of himself a sacrifice that pleased the Lord. But when he sought to meet God's expectations and had expectations of God, he brought an offering that was of sweet and smelling savor to the Lord. Daniel, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not capable of walking around in the flames of that fiery furnace. But when their expectations were of the Lord, they walked not only in that furnace, but in the presence of God. Joshua was not capable of destroying Jericho. But when he said, with my God, I can do this. And he walked around those walls and followed the instructions that God gave him. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Enoch was not capable of living a perfect life. But when he realized that if he placed his expectation in God, he was taken up to heaven without ever seeing death because of his closeness with the Lord. Abraham was not capable of sacrificing his son Isaac on that mountain. But when he said, hey, my God shall supply all my needs and I'm going to do whatever he wants, he walked up and became able to place his faith in God in a way that we'll probably never truly understand. Sarah was not capable of conceiving a child. She even laughed at God to begin with, but when her expectation was placed in the right place, she conceived and bare a son. Joseph was not capable of interpreting dreams, but when he realized that the Lord could do it and depended upon him and expected that he would, as he had done in the past, help him to understand the dreams, he was able to understand the dreams and give the interpretation of them. Jacob was not capable of being the father of the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob was a little scandalous rascal. But when he put his expectation in God, that night that he wrestled with God and said, I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. I want something from you and I don't want the average thing from you. I want a personal blessing from you. I want something great. I want you to do something in my life that has never been done before. And the angel touched the hollow of his thigh and gave him a blessing. Hebrews chapter 11 21 says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped the Lord, leaning upon the top of his staff. I think that's interesting. The Lord put that little tip in there that he was leaning on the top of his staff. Why? Because even in his old age, as he's about to die, he was just resting on that staff, remembering how great expectations of God enabled him to be something he could never have been in himself as he blessed his two grandsons. When we have great expectations of God, it increases our ability. When we look to him and we say, yes, God can. Yes, he can. I'm brokenhearted. But God can put the pieces back together. Not only can he put the pieces back together, but he can strengthen me in a way like I've never been strengthened before. I've got a rebellious child and I don't know what's going to happen with them. Hey, wait a second. Whose God do you serve? What is he capable of? What can he do in the life of your child? Hey, there's a trial I'm going through and I just don't think I'm going to... I don't know how this is going to turn out. Wait a second. You have great expectations, not for it just to turn out. Not just to survive the trial, but to come out on the other side of the trial. Not just surviving, but pure. As gold that comes out of the fiery furnace. And the dross being removed. 
What is your expectation of God? Because if you will place greater expectations on God and in God, your ability will be increased. You'll say, hey, I'm going to jump in the deep end. I don't know why. Uh, Well, actually, I do. God's been faithful, and God's been faithful, and God's been faithful. It's a whole lot easier usually for the older in the church, the elders, to have great expectations of God. Why? Because they can look back over a life. But you know how better off we would be if the young people would get this mentality? It's great to have great expectations when you're old, but you know what? You don't have the strength to do anything anymore. And I'm not, hey, I'm not being disrespectful. It's the truth. The burden shouldn't be borne by the old people, and the older people shouldn't be the only ones that have great expectations of God. There should be young people all over this room, teenagers and children alike, college-age students and, and the singles and whoever it may be that says, wait a second, we serve a great God. No, I'm not going to get consumed with the affairs of this life. I'm going to expect Him to use me in great ways because I have a purpose and my life is short and I want to do something for the cause of Christ. And because my God, the Lord omnipotent, reigneth. Expecting great things of God increases our ability. The children are dressed for school, said one of the helpers of the orphanage, but there's no food for them to eat. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. There was no food there. But George knew that God would provide the food for the children as he had always done. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I'll bring it in now. Just a few moments later, there was another knock on the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in the front of, out front of the orphanage. He said the milk would spoil before the time he was able to get the cart fixed and asked if the orphanage could drink and, or use the milk that was in his milk jugs. There was just enough for 300 thirsty children. Over and over and over again, George Mueller saw God provide for his orphanage. He sat down at a table with 300 children and blessed God for food that he didn't have. I think that's a pretty big expectation. And I would say his ability was increased. He just said, hey, hey, this is my job. God gave it to me. I'm going to expect God to provide. And he sat down and said, Lord, thank you for this food we're about to partake in. That's that's crazy. Isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Because that's how we live. Our expectations are so small. Our expectations of God are so small. What does God really want to do? What would he do if we would just expect more? Have a little bit more faith. Finally this evening, expecting great things. Well, let's look at verse number 51 and 52. Therefore David ran. 1 Samuel 17, 51. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine. He killed Goliath. And just as he said he was due, he took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head, just like he said. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Look at this. Remember those people who were dismayed? Remember those people who were standing on the sideline? 
Remember those people thought it was impossible? And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down upon the way to Sharaim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. I want you to notice this morning, when you have great expectations of God, it encourages other people. You know why? Because God will always prove himself faithful. And when you have these great expectations and God once again proves himself faithful, we see a group of people who were, wait, just a few verses before, just a short period before. I'm talking about the time from David having a conversation with Saul, the time that it took him to have that conversation, walk out to that field, say a couple lines to Goliath, run across the field and throw a stone into his forehead. From, the time, from that moment, just, man, what is this? Maybe let's just be generous and say it was an hour which was probably a whole lot less, more, less than that. Well, let's just say it was an hour. In the period of one hour, the people who were walking around dismayed. This is impossible. There's nothing we can do here. Saw a little guy walk out with great expectations of God, and they get up with a shout. Yeah! Woo! Yeah, go David! But it wasn't just a shout. It was movement. And they got down. And they arose off of that hill and they pursued the Philistines. They pursued. You know, there's probably some Christians around you who are dismayed. Probably some people who are a little downhearted, maybe discouraged. But if we would just have a little bigger expectation of God and let him be visible in our life, it might just, it might just change their lives. That's the power of God. That's that omnipotent God we've been talking about. Where nothing's impossible for him. and Nothing's too difficult for him. If we were to let people see him do some work in our lives, it might just change their lives. It might enable you to lead somebody to Christ in your workplace who you think it's impossible, but they just saw God accomplish something ridiculous through you. They just saw God accomplish something impossible in you. And you know what? You didn't have to perform any of it. All you had to do was have the faith. See, the thing about what David did here is he walked out on a field and he threw a stone into somebody's head. But by all measures of science, that stone should not have fallen into his head. It shouldn't have sunk through his skull. It might have split his skull. It might have knocked him in the head and fell on the ground. But the, from what I've researched, it didn't typically punk penetrate like that it was impossible but the battle was not David's he had already stated that earlier the battle is the Lord's I don't want you to go out there I'm not saying run out there with a a squirt gun into hell that's foolishness I know we use it it's kind of cliche but that's not your battle You don't need to be anywhere near hell, especially with a squirt gun. But you know where you can be? 
you can be out with a track in your hand and an expectation of God of, here we go, I can lead this one to Christ, and if he'll listen over here, I can lead this one to Christ, and wait, here's another one, I can lead this one to Christ. Wait, God's going to do something in my life if I'll let him. Hey, I'm going to see some people uh, come and be my visitors with me at church, and I'm going to be able to disciple them. I'm going to see them grow. I'm going to see the Lord do things in my family that I can't imagine. I'm going to see the Lord provide for me. Because he can. And he will. I don't have to do any of it. He'll do it. These people have been camped around that mountain for months. Listening to their enemy belittle them and belittle God. The people were discouraged. They didn't know what to do. I'll be honest with you. The leadership didn't even know what to do. God's not waiting on leaders. He's not waiting on big shots. God's not waiting on anybody. He's not waiting on the old, the aged, the mature. No. He's just waiting on an individual. Any individual. Even a little rooty, red-headed David. But a youth. Who'll say, I got great expectations of God. And he's going to do it for me. And he's going to do it in a big way. And not only are you going to kill that, that giant, but I'm going to chop off his head, and then I'm going to take the carcasses of that army, and I'm going to feed them unto the fowls of the air. I'm not just destroying that giant. When I go onto this battlefield today, what the Lord is going to bring about in my life is going to be bigger than one battle. It's going to be a war that is won because of his strength. What great expectations. I wonder, what is your level of expectation of God. What in your life is too hard for God? How do you go throughout your week? How do you expect Him to use you? I mean, what are you thinking about tomorrow morning? You know, I, I guarantee you that if you have great expectations with God, you know where you're going to be tomorrow? Getting His power. Because you're not going to have great expectations and not have, those, not have his power on your life. You're never going to see anything done. You can't walk out and say, oh yeah, God's going to do great. Brother Cavill just fired us up. We're going to, yeah, let's go. Woo, let's go. But then you don't get with God. You don't rely on him. Remember the expectation is you're relying in your own strength. You Great, have great expectations. But you get up tomorrow morning, you're not going to walk with God. Remember where your expectation is placed. Remember the value of an expectation is only good the person or the object you have the expectation on is able to perform it. Our God can perform anything. Everything. Let's place our expectation on God. There could be any number of reasons that you need and that you have a burden in your life or anything that you've got where you need to place expectations on God. But I trust that you'll make them big. Don't, don't dream for small things. Our God's too big for that. Let's not dream of getting by. Let's not expect to just float through. Let's expect great things of God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this evening?